G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. The story. I had this, what I would think to be just a sore, a little scab on the back of my leg. I didn't pay too much attention to it. It's not an area of your body that you actually inspect every day. And my daughter noticed, she said, Dad, that looks as if it's growing. It looks a bit larger. So a couple of days later, I just went to one of the skincare clinics. And uh, the guy at the skincare clinic took one look at it and said, that doesn't look good. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, every once in a while, something happens in life that really stops you in your tracks and can wake you up in the middle of the night and make you think about what might happen. And that's exactly what happened to Richard Daniel. He's been involved in radio his whole life and for several years with Christian Radio. And he's always been relatively healthy. But that all changed when his daughter noticed a spot on the back of his knee. And that's had a huge impact on his life. He's going to share with us his story today as he has a chat with Eric Scatterbo. Richard Daniel, welcome to the program. Eric, always nice to talk to you, and it's great. We haven't seen each other for a long time, so it's actually nice to be able to talk to you today. Yeah, it's been a while. Glad we could have a chat. And you're joining us today from the Christian radio station on the Sunshine Coast? Where it's actually uh, not exactly the Sunshine Coast today, but still, it's (laughs) it's still, there we go. And you're involved in that radio station, is that right? I am. I'm uh, one of the volunteer announcers here to a weekend shift, and I'm also uh, part of the board, Eric. Uh, So it's a great station to be able to go out and have people listening right across the Sunshine Coast. And we do play your program, which is also very nice here as well. Oh, thank you so much for that. Now, we're going to hear your story today and about your involvement in Christian Radio and also about that spot on your leg. But first, let's go back to where it all started. Where are you from originally? Originally from Sydney, uh, born back in the late 1950s. Right, grew mm-hmm. up in Sydney, went to school in Sydney, went to church in Sydney. Didn't really have one of those major wonderful conversions that you could get a, a great conversion story, although in saying that, I'm also very pleased that I actually grew up in a Christian family. So went mm-hmm. to a church, uh, became a Christian uh, at the age of 12, I think, 13, uh, through ISEF, mm-hmm. Interschool Christian Fellowship at James Roos uh, High School in Carlingford in Sydney. Okay, and did you always have a love for radio? Look, I remember uh, my brothers would say exactly the same thing. My two brothers are both in radio as well. And we used to go into a radio station in Sydney called 2UW in the 1970s. And I remember there sitting, I used to have a a friend of mine at school whose father actually worked in the sales department at the radio station. And I used to go into 2UW with him after school and I'd sit there on the other side of the window and I'd just sit there and say, I want to be on that side. I want to be behind Hmm. the microphone. And then uh, that radio station and a few others used to do outside broadcasts at the Royal Easter Show in Sydney. And I would spend half the day, forget about the rides, I'd spend half the day just sitting in front of the window staring saying, one day, that's what I want to do. So all of my life, all I wanted to do was get into radio. And and now 35 years later, I'm I'm still in media, which is great. Ah, well, good on you for loving radio. Yeah. It warms my heart. (laughs) You know the story. You and I have got the same one. That's right. Both have a love for radio. And you met your wife, Julie? 
Tell us I about did. that. Yeah, Julie and I have been married for 35 years now, uh, 35, 36 years. Uh, we've got uh, two children. They're both adults. And uh, last year we had uh, – my son had uh, twin boys and uh, my daughter had a baby girl. So we love being grandparents now to our, our three grandchildren. And getting back to radio, so you had that love for radio from the very beginning. Then where did your love for radio take you? Uh, I finished high school in 1976. In January 1977, I started my very first job at 8HA Alice Springs. My old brother, who's three years older than I am, Terry, was already, he had the same love of radio as well, and he was already working at uh, 8HA in Alice Springs, and they wanted to take on a junior, someone had uh, never done uh, any radio before, so I was good enough and lucky enough to get the Guernsey, so I literally left home. Right, uh, directly mm-hmm. about three weeks after finishing high school and had my first job January of 1977 at uh, 8HA Alice Springs, which was just great. Uh, and it was from there went into quite a few other radio stations around New South Wales and, uh, and also Victoria. Now, were you always an announcer or were you in other uh, roles? Look, I stayed in announcing for probably the first 18 years, 20 years, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I wanted to get into management. Uh, and to get into, the, you know, the more I've became an announcer, the more I just wanted to get in and, and experience what it's like to actually run a radio station. And so um, I had to do sales to do that, right? Because sales are obviously such an imperative mm. part of the station that you need to make money, right? It's a mm. business as such, as much as yeah, we entertain yeah. people in radio. It's still a business. And so I got into sales, became a salesman, uh, then uh, got a job at uh, 2MC at Port Macquarie as the sales manager of the station, uh, then went down to FM 104.7 in Canberra, right, and then was invited to actually manage a radio station. And so I managed my first radio station, then ended up managing a station called 2CS at uh, Coffs Harbour, which was great, was there for about seven years doing that, and then uh, decided after that to leave commercial radio and get into Christian media. Yeah, so tell us what led you to leave the commercial radio field and then move yeah. into Christian radio. My wife and I owned two radio stations at one stage, and gosh, we love mm-hmm. that. We just love that. That was at uh, 2BH and Hill FM at uh, Broken Hill, and just had a fabulous time. We are there for about six years altogether. The owners of the radio station at that particular time, it was a just a commercial radio station, but they rented on Christian business principles, right? Mm-hmm. And so they that's why they invited me up to be the manager, and they ended up wanting to get out of it at the time, and they ended up selling it to me. And so we did that and we loved that. I just loved it. We loved Broken Hill. It's still got fond memories for me. But uh, I had a a mate that used to work at the station that was working at that time for an organisation called Voice International, now CV where I work. And Voice International was starting up a shortwave radio station, taking over the old Radio Australia towers that were located in Darwin. And he rang me up one day and said, we're starting a new team. We'd love you to join our management crew. And I went, look, you know, it's a bit hard. We own the station now, but no thanks. Anyhow, he rang five times. All right, to the point wow. right, that I said, look, how about if I fly across and we'll, we'll just have a chat, which I did. Flew over 20 years ago, came over, and, and two things impressed me about Voice International. Now they're called Christian Vision. One is they were just ordinary Christians. And the other thing is that they wanted to do everything professionally. If, you know, they had a scenario where we're funded by one particular businessman who lives in the United Kingdom. And so for about mm-hmm. 10 years, we broadcasted uh, out to a potential of 2.7 billion people uh, on, on shortwave, uh, taking over the old Radio Australia Towers in Darwin. 
Yeah, so broadcasting up into Asia? Yeah, we were broadcasting in English, which went into India. We were broadcasting in Chinese, uh, which obviously went to China. And we are broadcasting in Indonesia, which went uh, throughout the South Pacific and into Indonesia as well. And if I remember correctly, you encouraged listeners to contact you, and sometimes through correspondence, people were led to the Lord? Absolutely. It, uh, from India, it used to take three months for a letter. You know, that's that's how we started. We were averaging anywhere between 17,000 and about 24,000 correspondents every month. Most of those at that time coming via literally mail. I've got some photos of my entire desk covered with envelopes, right, as we wow. responded to all of those people, which was great, great days. Now, actually, I remember getting a tour of the station there in Maruchidor. Correct. And your whole correspondence system of how you would respond to people and lead people to the Lord. We did, and we had a stack of volunteers right around Australia mm-hmm. that would obviously yeah. got beyond, well beyond us as a staff to be able to respond to that many people. So we literally had people. That obviously then, as communications improved, not so much in Australia but in other countries around the world, that then turned to email. So we were starting to do email then into SMS, uh, and finally shortwave radio about oh, 10 years ago started to die, literally, and it died because of the mobile phone. You know, you, know, you and mm. I can pick up 18,000 radio stations with one app on, on your phone, so people didn't need to listen to a scratchy shortwave radio. And so under those circumstances, we literally closed down the shortwave radio facilities and we started to do digital evangelism through video, just putting out nice positive videos out into um, YouTube and other, other social networks as well. And we should say your current position is the director of CV Asia Pacific. Yeah. And so there's four major zones around the world for CV, head offices in the UK where Bob, our chairman, is and founder, right? And uh, so, yeah, I'm part of the Asia Pacific team. Okay. And making videos. And the way I became aware of your cancer journey is through watching a video you made. (laughs) Actually, it was sent to me a few days ago, right on the same day that I discovered or rediscovered a scab on the top of my ear that (laughs) has come back and tomorrow I'm going to have that removed. So obviously you're getting my attention a lot when you said you had a cancer journey involving skin cancer. So this is very much on the top of my mind. But before this, throughout your whole life, you've been relatively healthy. You've, You've only been to the hospital once in your life. I had, to, I had two wisdom teeth out when I was 15 years of age, and that was one night in and that hospital, was it. and that was it. So literally yeah. to start you know, talking to surgeons about surgery and uh, you know, the whole journey of, of the C word, the cancer word, right, yes, was something yes. very, very foreign to me and something that, that obviously you know, played on my mind for quite a few weeks uh, before we actually had the surgery. You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scadabo is chatting with Richard Daniel, who's been involved with radio his whole life and for many years with Christian Radio here in Australia. Next, we're going to hear more of his story and about a spot his daughter noticed on the back of his knee. We'll find out the huge impact this has had on his life when we return. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. 
Today, Eric Scadabo is chatting with Richard Daniel, who's the Asia-Pacific Partnerships Director for CV Global, or Christian Voice. CV Global is an international ministry whose goal is to share the gospel of Jesus throughout the world by distributing Christian content like videos, articles and interviews across a range of internet platforms. Next, we're going to hear more of Richard's story, starting with something his daughter noticed on the back of his leg. Look, the story was I had this what I would think to be just a sore, a little scab on the back of my leg. I didn't pay too mm-hmm. much attention to it. It's not an area of your body that you actually inspect every day. And my daughter yeah, you don't look at noticed. the back of your leg every not day. Not often, not often. Yeah, right? and, yeah. and so, you know, my daughter noticed, she said, Dad, that looks as if it's growing. It looks a bit larger. So a couple of days later, mm. I just went to one of the skincare clinics and uh, the guy at the skincare clinic took one look at it and said, that doesn't look good, right? Uh, we, we've got to get that out right now. And so he cut that out, right, is what he did. It took about 20 minutes, half an hour for him to cut it away. Uh, he took that out and he sent that small little cut out to pathology and pathology came back with a message that said it was uh, stage three cancer, Right, a melanoma wow. cancer, right? And so from there, I had to go see a surgeon. Well, one o'clock, literally the next afternoon, I got a phone call, answered the phone call, and they said, this is the surgeon's office. We're ringing to find out if you could come in for an appointment tomorrow afternoon. And I said to her, I thought I wasn't going to get this phone call from three weeks. And she said, well, your skincare uh, doctor put on the note that it was urgent and we've got a cancellation and we've chosen you to come in. That to me mm. was wonderful that I could get in the very next day, but it scared the living daylights out of me that hmm. he put urgent on there as well. I mean, what does urgent mean when you've got cancer, right? And well, that, so that the very gets your attention, day, I imagine. It got the attention big time, right? And so yeah. the next day yeah. I was sitting literally or, uh, in the surgeon's office. She had had the pathology report by that. She was the one that told me it was stage three cancer. And she said, hmm. we've got to remove this straight away. And so she said, what we do, we're going to take out a large area around where the um, actual melanoma was found. Right? We're mm-hmm. going to take that around because the, the high probability that it would uh, spread into that immediate area. And then the very next place that it will go, and it normally jumps there, she said it'll jump to your lymph node. The closest lymph node that I have, we all have, is is in my groin. And so she said mm-hmm. I'll need to take out one of those lymph nodes as well and we'll send those away to check if they've got cancer or not. So that was the first conversation out of many that I started to have with the surgeon. Wow. So how did you react to hearing all that? Um, look, it, surprisingly, I started the prayer chain, those that were praying at work. My wife and I, we increased our prayer together, something chronic. It's amazing how something like mm-hmm. this increases your marriage prayer together. Uh, we had family times of prayer when we, you know, went to my son or daughter's place for dinner. We sort of gathered around and, and, and my own family were, you know, praying. That, that, you know, as much as we pray as a family, we don't pray enough uh, as, mm. as a combined family. And so that was amazing. And so even though I was waking up during the night, Eric, I would wake up with those thoughts of, you know, far out, I, I better get my finances in order, what happens if... We have to sell our house. My wife has mm. to look after herself. Um, I'm not going to see my grandkids grow up. You know, all of those thoughts would often wake you up in the middle of the night and then you'd be yeah. saying, God, no, it's okay. It's okay, God. Calm me down. Calm me. I'm okay. And then you'd go back into the surgeon's office and, you know, she said that uh, 
we've taken the lymph node out. There's no more cancer in, we think we've got it all, but we'll do further tests around your leg where it came out, but there is cancer in your lymph node, right? Uh, and so, yeah, that, that I was pretty silent when she was telling that information to me in, in her office, pretty silent indeed. In fact, she was very nice. I got to tell, you know, as we walked out of her office, she walked with me down towards the reception where I, I paid the account and organised the next appointment. And she must have known that I was pretty silent because she put her hand on my shoulder and she said, are you okay? Right? Of which I said, look, you know, I'm, I'm all right. You know, obviously getting out of the of the surgeon's office, walking down to the car, freaking my mind out. How am I going to ring my wife and, and, yeah. you know, and tell her? Um, but she was very nice throughout the whole thing. The next part of the journey, I guess, is that she sends you or sent me away for what is called a PET test. Don't ask okay. me to tell you what it stands for. Go look it up on Google. I can't remember. It's three long <laughs> words. But, but basically, they, you, you lie in one of those tunnels. They pump you for about three quarters of an hour right, with radioactive material uh, into your mm. body. In fact, so much so that you can't go near babies or pregnant women for about three or four after hours after you've actually done oh. this test right? because oh, wow. you are radioactive. Yeah. I thought if I walked mm. down on the beach, one of those guys with a, a Geiger count, I might, you know, sort of looking for <laughs> rings, they, they, they might find me. But, um, and then you lie in one of those tunnels and they, they give your entire body a scan. The scenario of that, Eric, is that what happens is the radioactive material that they pump into your body, right, goes and finds cancer cells anywhere in your entire system, right? Mm -hmm. And so it, it goes and finds it. And then three or four days later, I was back into the surgeon's office to get a report on what they actually found, right? And Yeah, so, so you described it as if it finds cancer, you light up like a Christmas tree. That's it. Yeah, you light up like a Christmas tree and it tells you, and I asked the surgeon, if it's going to spread, where is the next likely possibility that the cancer would go, go to? And her words were, it'll go to your liver. Now, anyone mm. that any knows anything about cancer in your liver, it's yeah. probably one of the most serious cancers that you can get. Yeah. Right. Yep. And yep. The, um, the surgeon also told me that the probability, if it gets to that area, is you'll probably have at most five years to live. Right mm. Now, I'm sort of walking out of the surgeon's office with this information spinning around in my mind, saying, yeah. what, do I, what do I tell Julie, my wife? Do I tell her that there's a possibility of five years or just, you know, I wait, I, you know, play it down? I decided, no, that, you know, I've got to come clean and I've got to tell her and she's got to go on this journey with me. And mm. so, yeah. you know, I literally told everybody everything, all right? And so, you know, we went and did that pet test. And the next part of the journey, three or four days later, was to go back into the surgeons to get the result. Was that cancer spread from my lymph node into my liver, into my lungs, into any other parts of my body? And that was, I've got to tell you, a pretty scary walk from the car park. Oh, I can imagine. Right, yeah. into the surgeon office thinking not so much what the walk was like as I walked towards the surgeon's office, but what was the walk like? when I got out of the surgeon's office to find out if the cancer had spread or not. That was probably the scariest thought that went through mm. my mind at the time. When I sat down in front of the surgeon, she looked at me. There was, you know, 15 seconds of silence that sort of went on for 15 minutes. And she said, well, I've got some good news. We can't find any cancer, not only in your leg where we suspected that we got it all, but there's no cancer in the other lymph nodes at all, and there's no cancer anywhere else in your body. 
Wow. And seriously, I, I, I could have jumped up. I could have danced on her table, but yet I was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, I was quite calm and reflective, and I, I literally just said in a very quiet sort of manner, I said, did you expect that? Right? And her answer was quite a diplomatic uh, doctor's answer. She said, well, we like to think the best of all of our patients. And I said, yeah, but did you expect that? And she said, no. We, whenever cancer gets to your lymph nodes, there's a very, very high probability that it will spread further in your body. And so mm-hmm. whereas we didn't want it to, we were gearing up ready for that. And, and seriously, walking back out along my prayer walk back to my car was a totally different feeling. And, uh, you know, you, you learn very quickly when a miracle like that happens how to praise God and, uh, and, and thank him. You know, I just wanted to get down on the, on the hands and knees and just praise God for that. And, and so did my family and, and so did the 40 or 50 people, you know, who prayed. And it, it really showed me, Eric, just the value of prayer. You know, quite often we mm-hmm. at our office have a – a uh, devotional at two o'clock every afternoon and, you know, has anyone got any prayer points and so forth? And one of the things that consistently went through in mind, I felt guilty that it was always Richard that was raising his hand saying, hey, listen, I'm having a blood test today. Can you pray? Or it's Richard again putting Mm. up his hand. I felt guilty, you know, that it was always me asking for prayer. But on the other side, I knew that that prayer and the battle in prayer that we've got to do was the only way that I was ever going to do a miracle. So my encouragement to others, if you're going through issues, gather your friends, gather your family, gather your workmates if they're Christians, and get them to pray for you because that's what God wants us to do. Amen. Now, of course, they might not have the fantastic results that you have, but of course, God is with you through it all, no matter what happens. And look, we've got another mate here at uh, CV at the moment that's going through uh, cancer right now. He was diagnosed mm. a couple of weeks ago, right? Yeah. And his is a, a lot more serious than mine. And last week I went out to see him. We, we spent a, an hour or two on his front porch just talking together. And you're right. I, I felt sort of guilty, you know, that I've got the miracle. Look at me, right? Uh, mm, and yet, yeah. you know, we sit and prayed hoping that he also gets the miracle. But you know, why Why does God give me the miracle? I'm no special person. I'm no super mm. Christian, right? I, I can only put it down to the fact that God answered prayer and that there were so many people that are praying. And that's why I encourage people, if you're going through something in your life at the moment, it might not necessarily be an illness or a cancer. It might be a, a marriage issue. It might be whatever mm-hmm. that you're going yeah. through. Gather other people around you and share and get them to pray with you and for you. Amen. And looking to the future, what does it look like for you? There's a one in five chance, Eric, that it may come back again. And so every three months or so, probably for Mm -hmm. the next two or three years, I've got to go back in and have further tests. And the test that I will have is what is called the PET test again, where they'll Mm -hmm. put the radioactive material into you and you'll just see if any of the cancer come back again. So there's a one in five chance that it could come 20%, 20%, that mm-hmm. means there's an 80% chance that it won't come back. So I'm still encouraging mm-hmm. people to actually pray for me every so often and, and say, listen, could we pray that it, that it won't come back again as well? Well, it definitely gets your attention. I mean, that's, that's for sure. Yeah, and, and no doubt, as you, you mentioned you know, a moment ago, it's you know, with your situation that you're going through, you know, and I'll certainly pray for you as well, you're right. It's got your attention, right? And yeah, it gets yeah. your attention very – because you never think it's going to happen to you, does it? It's always somebody else. And, and yeah. look, if, if there's one other thing that I could say to you also, Eric, I never turned around 
Never once did I turn around and say, why me? And I understand people that can turn around and say, well, why me? Why, why did I get this? Why, why not well, I, I must why be less me? spiritual than you because <laughs> even with my little bits and bobs, I've been asking myself, why me? <laughs> yeah, well, you know. But that wasn't the case for you. It, it wasn't the case, and I don't know why. It's not because I'm, you know, the super Christian or whatever, right? I think it's because I turned around and said, why not me? Right? Mm. Why, why, why am I so special that mm. other people might get this sickness or might have whatever? And the same thing applies. You know, we all have parents that have, have died of dementia or died of a heart attack mm. or, or whatever. Yeah, you know, stuff happens. You know, yeah, we we I, I often look at you know and say to God, well, how how are you going to take me to heaven? You know, please, can I just fall asleep? In you know, but you look at people in nursing homes and whatever, and you think, well, why not me? Why why am I so special mm. that God would choose me not to have that happen to me? Mm. And I think yeah. it just comes back to us that we've got to turn around and say, no matter what our circumstance. I mean, Paul said this many times in in the Apostles, right? He turned around and and said, you know, whatever happens, I'm going to praise God and. That's the journey. I guess you and I could Amen. have another interview at the end of the next three months or the end of the next six months or whatever to see what's mm-hmm. It might be a different story then. Who knows? I don't know. I just well, got to keep trusting God. Amen. So we encourage everyone to continue to lift up Richard in prayer. And then for my own situation, uh, every couple of years, there seems to be another teeny tiny little spot that is removed. And you never know, well, is this the one that's you know going to be a little bit more serious? So far, they haven't been serious, but it... it is kind of a, a little reminder that, you know, hey, you don't know when something's going to turn pear-shaped or turn worse. And on top of that, I mean, this is the medical advice, but, you know, I never went and got checked, right? Fool be mm. me. If I got checked, they would have found this. They actually, when I did go back for another check, they actually found a small one on my cheek. was able to cut it out, oh, okay. very, you know, straight away, gone, you know, yep. won't come back again, all gone because I got it exceptionally early. So, yeah. you know, if you're sitting in, you've never had a skin check, for crying out loud, go and get it because you don't want to go through the pain that I went through. But I, I kind of think, you know, God uses this pain and sure you know, discomfort to, to get us thinking about yep. what is important in life. And, Absolutely. you know, our time on earth is not limitless. Absolutely. Uh, and what are we going to do with the time we have remaining? And yeah. all those big questions yeah. that and- we sometimes think about in the middle of the night. Yeah, they wake you up. And, and literally the question that you could ask yourself is, well, why not me? Hmm. You know, what, what makes me so special in the eyes of God? Then why not me? I think it's a very serious and pertinent question that people could actually ask themselves. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. You're welcome. Really great to chat, Eric. Well, I think that discussion we heard today between Richard Daniel and Eric Scadabo is the kind that really gets you to think about What if it was me? What if cancer is discovered and suddenly your mind is racing with all kinds of questions about life and what's really important? As it says in the Bible, our time here on earth is very short. In the book of James, it says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow, for you are just a vapour that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills it, we will live and also do this or that. And so the Lord can really get our attention when we receive challenging news about our health. But the good news is, 
we're not alone. Our Heavenly Father is there for us and will walk through the valley with us. We can always count on Him to be our guide and comforter. Well, how about you? Have you heard something today that has really got you thinking about life and death? Would you like to pray with someone about this or anything that is weighing on your mind? If so, our prayer line is 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's one 800 772 Nine three six. Give us a call. We'd love to pray with you on that number. one 800 Well, thanks for joining us for Richard Daniel's thought-provoking story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.